It's a shocker for many marriages. It's a shocker for at least one partner in the marriage. That shocker is, wow, I didn't expect it to get boring. I didn't expect there to be seasons of boring. And if you don't deal with that, then you're going to wonder, maybe I made a mistake. It's not that you made a mistake. It's that you weren't prepared to work. You're listening to Parenting on Purpose with Dr. Bob and Rosemary Barnes from Sheridan House Family Ministries. I'm your host, Ruthie J. And uh, yesterday we talked a lot about expectations. Also, when we come in, we think that marriage, I'm sorry, we think that getting married is the goal, Mm. uh, but it's being married, like you said yesterday, Mm -hmm. is actually what it's all about. And sometimes you can have your seasons of boring. I I think that's such a great statement. And you made that actually yesterday, Ruthie. And, And that statement is the goal, the finish line is getting married and all the preparation that you do, especially especially the bride does to get to the wedding and to have the wedding and to do the wedding and then and then go into this very unrealistic period of time, whether it's a weekend, a week or whatever, called the honeymoon, and then come back and slowly realize, wow, this isn't what I expected. I don't know what I expected, but it isn't what I expected, especially for her. Especially for her. I, I think I didn't know how bad our marriage was in the first half decade until I actually heard you in a talk about it years later when somebody asked you, what was your first year of marriage like? And I made the mistake. We were on a college campus speaking to college students or something. And I made the mistake of saying, well, our first year of marriage has a lot of adjustments. And that's pretty much all I said. And she said, do you remember the number of years you added to that? It was very painful, actually, when no, I think about it. I don't. It. I tried to forget about <laughs> yes. it. Yes. <laughs> she, said, she said, well, I'd say the first five years of marriage were the worst years of my life. And, uh, well, and she was kidding, but she wasn't kidding. They burst out laughing. And we all laughed, but I, when we walked out of there, I realized, well, you sort of weren't kidding. I could tell you kind of weren't kidding. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, Bob, you 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 added, acted like our marriage was an additive to your already busy schedule. Mm. And if it's an additive to an already busy schedule, how does it work? It's like that passage in Deuteronomy, when a man takes a new wife, he should not go out with the army, but free at home one year to bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. Um, we don't do that. We take a weekend or a week, and then we're back, we're in, and we're busier than ever and trying to make up for that last week. And wonder why one of us is in shock and one of us is clueless and and there's going to be which needs to be a breaking at some point where we have to back up and decide okay this isn't what i thought it was going to be like it's boring and it doesn't have to be boring that's the whole key it, it this whole marriage thing doesn't have to be boring does it no and you talked yesterday a lot about how with men we talked kind of the gender differences that um we as women are more relationship oriented. We're we're more geared to that, have that expectation. And you talked about how, as a male, he comes in pretty much um, doesn't know what a relationship is all about. But I think, um, I think what we can fault. I feel like we always are male bashing, but I think we can fault the woman. Oh, good! I'm that, glad I'm here for this. That um, we give up. We yeah. say, "Oh my goodness, this is not what I expected." He's all he cares about is work, and so I'm done. I, I just this is just bad, and we want to be pursued so bad, right. That we just say, "Well, if he's not going to do his part, yeah, I'm just you know get your own dinner, yeah." So right. and and I'm done, right? You know, or, or I'll try for a while, and if it just doesn't work, you just no, give up and yeah. and sit around uh, lunch tables with girlfriends and and husband bash, which is mm-hmm. just a very sad thing. Rather than saying, "Okay." This is not what I expected, so let let me dig in here because I am the relationship one, generally speaking, mm. and um, go for it and see if I can figure it out. Read some books on it or whatever, and really fight to make it not so boring. Mm. In um, Fort Myers Beach, there is a museum, the Thomas Edison Museum, and one of the things they have—I don't remember the exact number—but they have they have the number of times it took for him trying to mm. invent the light bulb, and they asked him in, in this. It's a great quote, and they said so. 
you tried a hundred, you tried a thousand different ways to invent the light bulb. Um, what did you learn? And he said, I learned a thousand different ways that wouldn't work. <laughs> so I kept trying another way. And I think that's a key in the marriage. The marriage is so important. We've talked yesterday, it impacts the children, impacts the people around us. It impacts us. It's part of our training. But we're such such a self-centered people that we come in, meet my needs, meet my needs, meet my needs, rather than how do I come and meet needs? It's We're not taught to serve another person. We're not prepared to serve another person. We're, we're taught to be served and meet my needs and, you know, do for me, do for me, do for me. And wonder why this whole thing doesn't work out because two very immature people get married and have no training and probably watched their parents' marriage, which was just as bad because dad was parked in the recliner watching TV all day <laughs> or whatever. And so we, we come with nothing. We come not knowing how to, how to do it. And so if we don't stop and say, I'm in this thing and I'm going to do this thing and here's the deal. I'm going to do anything that's my part to try to get him or try to get her uh, to learn relationship. And, and there is a, a sm- much smaller percentage, but there's a smaller percentage of marriage relationships where he's the mm-hmm. relationship person, she's not the relationship person. But ironically, God does tend to put opposites together in that department. Um, I, I think we have to be much more realistic, and it's not the marriage is not the top priority in our life for such a long period of time. I think also you talked about culture that's self-absorbed and self-centered. Not only that, we're a culture that wants f- quick fixes. If our mm. um, something is not working, we throw it away, get a new one. Mm. And so this whole idea of the long haul um, is something that we just do not even think about. And so we try a couple of things, didn't work, read a book to each other, didn't work, so that's it, I'm done. And so I think that's a sad, sad point. And it's sad because when you think about our forefathers and foremothers who, you know, <laughs> in covered wagons went across the country to settle in new places, the kind of backbone that we come from, it's just very sad that we give up so easily. Mm. And another thing I think is if we choose to really work on it, let's say that it's whether it's the male or the female, husband or wife, whichever one is a relationship one, I think with one person says, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm going to do, I'm going to try a thousand different things like Thomas Edison and keep working, working, working on it. So many times, I mean, it's not a guarantee, but so many times the other spouse will kick in and begin to see the, the value of working on it and see the value of talking a little bit more and sharing some things a little bit more. So I think that somebody needs to start the ball rolling Mm. and when keep it rolling and keep it rolling and that the other one will very often start doing things as well to build. But not quickly. So what did Rosemary do when Bob for those early years didn't want to go walking on the beach when Bob would come home from work and Rosemary would say, we live in Pompano Beach we're six. Blo- we're in this little apartment, six blocks from the ocean. Let's go walk on the beach. Oh, Rosemary, I don't want to walk on the beach. I mean, there's sand on the beach, and I don't know what. What did Rosemary do to get Bob out of his rut of Let's just sit at home and read a book. What What did she do? Do you know what she did? No, I'd like to ask you that question. Well, see, that's why we're here today. You're supposed to give so us all these answers. You guys keep talking answers. in third person. I'm all confused. Know. Who knows the answer? Yes, yes. Well, you did something because I'm a very routine rut person. I think, well, one thing that came to my mind as I was racking my brain trying to think of what it was, Ruthie, was that it was warning you in the sense of, you know, when we talk during the day and say, um, what are we going to do tonight? And and you might say, oh, I'm really tired. Let's, and, and maybe I would have said something like, you know what, let's just do something really out of the box and go for a walk on the beach. And because you have plenty of warning. You would say that in the morning. 
or the or night the morning. before. Yeah. Okay. And because you have plenty of warning, you're like, oh, okay. And so then he can we roll do, his eyes all throughout yeah. the day. And then when he got there, wow, it was really fun. And mm-hmm. we happened to see a shark off the water. And um, we stopped and got an ice cream cone on the way down to the beach and those kinds of things. And so you had fair warning to prepare for the boring thing that ended up not being so boring I, You know what? I'm all. really sorry we're talking about me now. I, you I wanted asked. to just create, I just, let's create fictitious people because you're getting so close to the truth, it's a little scary here. I, I, I think another area here in this figuring it out and getting boring is no one taught us how to disagree and discuss mm-hmm. it. And so after a while, when you disagree and disagree and it comes out harshly, mm-hmm. I don't, you don't even want to talk anymore. Um, and, and it's really hard to walk on the beach when you can't talk. Uh, and so it's it, there's so many things we're we're almost not relationable. I know that's not a word, but there's like nothing's prepared us for relation. We grow up in bedrooms by ourselves, uh, not in a bedroom with two, you know, two for me, other brothers and you, other sisters or whatever. We have our own little world, our own little space. Don't know how to share. Don't have to share. Haven't been taught to share. Haven't been taught to disagree. And then all of a sudden, we're not, we're sharing everything now, uh, not just same bedroom. And and we don't know how to do that when we disagree. And we don't know how to say those things and don't know how to say, I don't want to walk on the beach or whatever. And all of a sudden we do get in these ruts. And I, I do think that's when evil starts to prowl and evil starts to go, oh, let me show you something exciting out there. And and we're not sure what to do with it, but no one taught me how to work on relationship. I, I, I think we don't think we should have to work at this. You know, it's kind of like we have grandchildren now and uh, Judah is two years old and Judah is working so hard at talking and when he's working so hard at talking, <laughs> we're working so hard at figuring out what he's trying to say and he's very passionate. Uh, he, he's our barbarian. He's awesome. Oh, well, oh, yeah, It's not a rebellion as much as a passion because uh, if he wants to touch that, he really wants to touch that. If he wants to eat that. It's not that we've that we said, you know, some some children are just hilariously rebellious. You say no and they're going for it. They didn't think of it till you said no. This one knows what he wants to do all the time. But we work so hard to hear and we work so hard at the relationship with him. And yet so often we're not doing that same effort and that same work in this relationship. And we're so different and we don't anticipate having to do that. So what we do to entertain ourselves rather than learning, we, we, you know, we're, we're a 30-something couple and going out to eat is not something we do all the time financially, but we're going out to eat and we invite another couple and we invite another couple almost for entertainment. And so the two ladies are sitting talking across the table, the two men are sitting talking across the table and they never work on this thing. And we come back and we say, wow, that was a great night. It wasn't a great night. It was an it, it was a, a night of, of just pulling us further apart. Yeah, it was a night of us not being together. It was a night having another couple. And, and I'm not opposed to movies, but movies are the same thing. Someone else is doing all the work. We're not learning to do this together. And so I I, I think we have to decide we're going to do the work. But I think there's another thing, and and we'll probably take this on more tomorrow. But we we really thought when we got married we could still do all the things we did when we were single mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of add the marriage relationship right. to it. And the marriage relationship gets the junk that nobody else wants because the things we did when we were single, the baseball, uh, softball league, it's got a time. It, this is when it is. It's right then. So you got to make your marriage work around it or act like you're married with her sitting there watching softball or all these other things. And then all of a sudden it's 11 o'clock at night when you get home from these things and there's no energy left to talk. There's no nothing. We're dead and we got to get up at six and go to work tomorrow. We didn't anticipate that there's there has to be a hierarchy of what we really need to be doing now, and some of it needs to go. So that would be the first step, in pra- just taking that practically, is to sit down and say, okay, 
we're getting married or we have been married and we feel very boring right now. So let's take a look at the schedules. We are we are a busy, busy culture. We're doing way, way too many things. Good things, but not the best things. The best things is investing in our relationship. So maybe a practical way of dealing with this, if if we're looking at each other and saying we are really boring with each other right now, is to sit down and say, what can we get out of the, what are some of the, the activities and busyness that we can dispense with in our relationship so that we have time to talk and learn to talk and share share feelings and enjoy each other a little How bit have more. we done that? How, 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 how do you think well, we've done Well, one thing that we have done religiously is calendar checks. Yep, very important. And we will sit, you know, sometimes it was Sunday night after, you know, we got done with our Sunday commitments and we just sit and say, okay, what does the week look like? And, um, and when the children were growing up, we said, okay, these are the activities that children are involved in that we both need to be involved in. And we would just continually do calendar checks. We still do that today religiously. Um, in fact, one of us really enjoys doing that a lot. It's just very entertaining <laughs> for that person. I like my calendar. <laughs> yeah. But but I was going to say sometimes, you know, okay, we'll get rid of the things that keep us busy, but I also need to look forward to spending time together because if that's already awkward and I don't mm. really know, okay, we're boring, but it's going to, I don't know how to make this more exciting. And then, so I have to scratch things off. Like mm-hmm. I like being a soccer coach, but you're telling mm-hmm. me to take time off from that mm-hmm. to be with you and do what? Mm-hmm. And that's, if that's. Well, yeah. You know, we got to put something else in the calendar. Right. Yeah. And that generally means something else out of the house. That generally means, and, and if we've got little children, we have to figure that out. We can't just eliminate. We got to put things in there. That's us. And unfortunately, so many people make these statements. You know, our marriage is, we're going to get back to our marriage later. We got mm-hmm. so much stuff, so mm-hmm. much children's stuff, so many, all of these things. We'll, there's no time to date. There's no way to date. And everybody thinks you have to spend money to date rather than go for a walk on the beach. And and all of a sudden, so many people wait to get back to their marriage and there's no marriage to get back to. Mm-hmm. So calendar check and even more than a week out. I mean, we, we, we generally go a month out and realize, okay, Bob's messed up and put too many things on his calendar. And, and come in and, and have Benetta help me get things off the calendar. But we've got to decide this has to happen for us because we're worthless in everything else if this doesn't happen. We each have to choose to, re- to come to the realization and the commitment. This is very important. The marriage is very important. It has to have a significant place on our calendar. You're listening to Parenting On Purpose with Dr. Bob and Rosemary Barnes from Sheridan House Family Ministries. I'm Ruthie J., your host. And if you want to find out more about Sheridan House Family Ministries, And a lot of resources that are on the website, all the proceeds go to help the children's homes. You can find them, order them online at shfm.org. And to hear today's program again, uh, sign up for the blog that comes along with the program or share it on social media. You can do all that online at parentingonpurpose.org. We hope you join us tomorrow. We'll continue talking about what to do when your marriage has gotten to the point of being boring here on Parenting (laughs) on Purpose. 